Macworld Podcast number 383 for November 20th, 2013. Brought to you by Pixelmator 3.0 FX, a full-featured image editing application for the Mac. Welcome to another Macworld Podcast. I'm Chris Breen. Like any good website, we keep track of the popularity of the stories you read, and among our most favorite stories are those that have to do with installing a new operating system. Mavericks is no exception. You hit our Mavericks installation guides, and you hit them hard. And because you did, I've asked their author, Dan Frakes, to join me this week to talk about Mavericks installation. Let's get to it. I'm joined by Dan Frakes, who, when a new version of the macOS comes out, is our master installer. Welcome back, Dan. Hey, Chris. So in the hope that this won't be our shortest episode ever, please tell me that installing Mavericks can be a bit more complicated than downloading it from the Mac App Store and then just running the installer. Can it be? Yes. Yeah. Okay, good. Let's put it that way. Right. (laughs) But it can be as easy as that, right? It can be, but, you know, when you install a new version of the operating system, you want to do a few more things than just double-click on an installer and say, hey, let's see what happens. Um, It's better if you take a few precautions and be safe, right? Right. Okay, well, let's start at the very beginning then. So, before I install Mavericks, what should I do to get ready for it? Well, I would say two things are the most important. Um, One of them is to... Uh, make sure your Mac's hard drive is in good health. Uh, and, and I don't mean it's about to physically fail or not. I just mean that you've you've used disk utility to check to make sure the directory is okay, that everything is fine. Because, you know, if you've got a, a drive that you've been using for some years, you've never checked it, uh, there's a good chance there's some little things here and there, directory corruption, files that aren't where they should be, et cetera, et cetera. And disk utility can fix that. Um, and if you don't fix it, then it means that you've got um, you know, hundreds of thousands of files that are going to be installed on a drive with a bad directory, and that's a bad thing. So it's really easy to do. You can actually run Disk Utility from your own from your Mac while it's booted normally and just use the Verify. You select your, your drive on the left and then click the Verify button on the right, and that will actually tell you if there's anything wrong with it. And, and if there is, then you need to boot from a different drive or if you've got a, a Mac running liner later from a recovery, uh, recovery mode, Recovery HD. But... <clears throat> to me, definitely want to make sure your drive's in good health. And the other really important thing is just to make sure you've got a current backup. If you anything should go wrong during the the, the installation, at least if you've got a, a good backup, you can get back to where you started from. So I would say those are the two big things. Um, there are a few other things you can do to really make the process easier. Um, one of those, if you're coming from, especially if you're coming from Snow Leopard, but... Um, and that would be to disable file vault if you've got it um enabled because lion and later use a different kind of file vault um if you've got third party disk encryption you want to make sure that that is compatible and if not um excuse me compatible with mavericks and if not to disable it um and and that goes for a lot of your software you want to make sure that the software you've got is compatible with mavericks check the developer's website um, check for updates within the software itself. You know, a lot of apps have a check for updates button. Just make sure you've got the latest versions of those apps and you've got the latest version of Apple software. Use software update on the Mac App Store. Make sure everything's up to date. Okay. 
Um, once you've done that, uh, first of all, does the Mavericks installer get deleted after you install the new OS? Yes, just like with Ma or excuse me, Lion and Snow Leopard. It's not man, it's not, it's not, there are too many cats. Uh, <laughs> lion and Mountain Lion installers. Uh, if you leave the the installer in the default location, which is the applications folder, that's where the Mac App Store downloads it. If you leave it in that folder and then run it, it will actually be deleted as part of the installation process. So if you'd like to use it on another Mac, say, or if you want to later create a bootable drive or do something else with that installer later, uh, make a copy of it somewhere else or just move it out of the applications folder. Okay. And how big is the installer? I believe it's 5.3 gigabytes. Yeah. So if you have a slow yeah. internet connection, that's uh, that could be an all-day affair. Yeah, and and, you, and that's another good reason to make sure you don't it doesn't get deleted is because if you want if you want to do something with it later, uh, you're going to have to download all 5.3 gigabytes again if you don't move it out. Right. Okay. So what kind of things should you do after you've installed it? You you double click the installer, you run it, your Mac boots up and then what happens well then it really depends on what you which os you upgraded from whether it's snow leopard or lion or mountain lion you'll get a general setup process that that may differ slightly depending on that previous os but but the gist of it is that it will walk you through a few steps uh, making sure you're signed into your icloud account or apple id uh, those kind of things and then it will um it will uh some of the new things that you'll get is for example, if you've got a, an app that, that requests access to your contacts or to your calendars or your reminders, uh, you'll get a prompt the first time you run those apps which says, do you want to allow this? And you've, you, know, you say yes. Uh, if you've got a utility that automates things or does things like helps, helps you resize finder windows, those kind of things, a lot of those use OS X's accessibility features. Under Mavericks, you will need to go in and give permission to each of those to access those features. So these are new security features in Mavericks that on the whole are a good thing, but that are a little bit of a hassle the first time you start up. Uh, then you want to also, uh, just like you checked for updates to the OS before you install Mavericks, you'll want to go in and, and use software update, the Mac App Store, I should say, um, which is under the software update um, item in the, in the Apple menu, to check for updates to OS 10 because there's a good chance that there will be new stuff available. For example, we've had a mail update already since Mavericks came out, uh, and I know from uh, the grapevine that there's a new beta of the next version of Mavericks that's that's out right now. So it should probably be out in the next you know week or two. So it, it's it's very it's quite possible that as soon as you install Mavericks, there will be new uh, updates to it. So you want to get those right away. Um, you might need to set up printers, but that's usually taken care of if you're upgrading from another another version, an older version of, of uh, OS X. Okay, and what if you uh, go in and you double-click on an application and it doesn't launch? Well, it could be, if it's a very old application, that it just will not work with Mavericks. This is especially true if you were coming from, <clears throat> excuse me, from Snow Leopard or even uh, Leopard, and you've got some really old apps that just don't work anymore. Uh, so you'll want to check with the developer of that app and say and see if they have a new version that is Mavericks compatible. Um, but that's the most likely situation. There are even some apps that worked under, say, Lion or Mountain Lion, that, um, uh, especially Lion, that, that won't work under Mavericks without an update. So you'll want to check with the, the vendor. 
Okay, so but let's say you're going from way back. You're coming back from, say, Leopard. Is there the possibility that you're going to have some applications that worked under Leopard and are not going to work under Mavericks? Well, with apps there are, but there's also system-level files, kernel extensions, startup items, things that some apps installed under your older version that don't work in Mavericks. And the uh, the, the installer is pretty good about about weeding those out. So if you have some of those, what you'll see the first time you, you boot under Mavericks is you'll see a, a an alert that says incompatible software. Some of the apps that were on your drive or some of these things will not work under Mavericks and that you should check for new versions. And you'll actually get a list um, and it'll say, check this incompatible software folder. And uh, the installer actually creates a new folder at the root level of the drive called incompatible software. And you can just open that up and say, oh, so that didn't work. That didn't work. I need to look for new versions of those. Okay. Um, and just so we're clear, you can update directly from Leopard, from Lion, from Mountain Lion, from Snow Leopard to Mavericks. You don't have to use the interim OSs. So for Snow Leopard, Lion, and Mountain Lion, the answer is yes. Uh, for Leopard, the answer is sort of. Uh, we Apple officially says you need Snow Leopard 10.6.8 or later to upgrade to Mavericks directly. Uh, but there are ways to get around that. In fact, we've got an article on Macworld.com called How to Upgrade from or How to Install Mavericks over Leopard because it can be done. Uh, and, and the main reason you would do this you know, a lot of people say, oh, well, the only reason you'd have to do that is if you're pirating. Well, the the, the truth is that some people say they've got a, um, a Mac that shipped with Leopard and they decide they want to just wipe the drive clean and uh, go, go back to my, or do a clean install of Mavericks, I guess I should say. Uh, to do so, according to Apple, you'd have to install Leopard. Then you'd have to buy and install um, Snow Leopard and install that. And then you'd have to install Mavericks. And... Um, that's you know that's adding another hour or two to your process. So if you if if you have all the licenses that you need and everything's kosher and legal, uh, it is possible to go directly from Leopard to Ma Mavericks. Okay. Now you've done this I don't know how many times, many many times I think. <laughs> as, I, as I watched your Twitter stream, I think it was like more than is healthy. Yeah. Um, so is there any risk in installing over a previous version of the Mac OS, or is it better to do a clean install? You know, I remember the old days when whenever you installed a a new version of the Mac OS, you would definitely want to do some kind of a clean install or archive and install or whatever it may be, because things just kind of were wonky often if you if you didn't. Uh, that's that's gotten much better. You know, with each version of OS ten, especially since Snow Leopard and Lion days. Uh, installing directly over the previous version has actually worked pretty well for me. I've done tons of these installs, including a bunch of testing over old versions. And I haven't really had problems going even over le from Leopard to Mavericks directly. Uh, I, I think that that the older the OS, Leopard, Snow Leopard, um, the more chances there are for little issues here and there, especially if you had a lot of system level hacks and, and kernel extensions and things installed. But for the most part, in my experience, uh, I think you know ninety nine percent of people are going to be just fine installing it right over what they've got now. I will say that I finally did a clean install. I wiped a drive and, and installed Mavericks um, from the from the very base. And the, the reason being is that I hadn't done that in about three iterations of the Mac OS, and my Mac was running really slowly, and I had all these files chunked up. And I finally 
decided that this was time to, to make that kind of break. And I found that my Mac runs so much better than it did even under the previous version of the Mac OS. And I don't think it's Mavericks. I think it's just simply I, I had to wipe everything clean to do that. Right. Well, I think that's also uh, that's sort of a related but unrelated, if you want to say, um, a thing for a lot of people is that if you've got a Mac that's just been, you know, it's been pounded with old files and new files and copying and deleting stuff for years including multiple installs of the OS, I mean, you've got a drive that chances are is pretty fragmented. And while fragmentation is not nearly the issue it used to be, uh, it still is an issue, especially with these drives nowadays that are, you know, you've got a two terabyte drive that's almost full and it's got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of, of files on it. There's a good chance that erasing it and starting over, you've suddenly got this drive with a clean directory with you know, all the files in the right, you know, optimal places for performance and that kind of thing can help. Um, I, I, I would, I'm sure there's a little bit of it that's, you know, OS to OS issues, but I think a lot of it for people is just getting to drive healthy and, and, you know, no fragmentation and that kind of stuff. Right. Okay. So let's say you've done that kind of install and now you want to get your data over from another computer or from a backup, and you're going to use Migration Assistant. So first of all, how thorough and reliable is it? And then how fast is it? Well, it's definitely gotten better. It's, it's, it used to be, you know, I'm trying to think how far back it's been since we've written articles about this, but three or four years ago, maybe with Leopard, Snow Leopard, where Migration Assistant would get most stuff, but you would still have to go back and maybe install some third-party software to get it working properly. Uh, maybe there's some files you want to you want to go back and check your backup to make sure it brought everything over. Over the last few iterations of OS 10, it's really gotten much better. Where I feel comfortable telling people, you know what, just do Migration Assistant, and uh, chances are your drive, you know, your your user environment is going to be exactly the same as as it was before. Uh, the other issue you touched on is probably the bigger one for most people, which is just time. I mean, Migration Assistant. Man, it, depending on how big your drive is, it can take hours. It can take a day. I mean, it's it can be a very slow process, especially if you use it um, over uh, you know a slow network or over a USB or you know if you use it over a connection that's not fast, it can take a long time. That's what I've found. That um, generally I do it starting about six in the evening, and then I just don't use that computer for the rest of the day and <laughs> usually by the next morning it's either done or it's pretty close to being done uh, and even that's with a direct connection if i did this wirelessly i think it would just take i don't know I oh, it still right. wouldn't yeah. be done I, I mean i found when even doing this on a when i'm testing installations where i've, I, I've just erased a hard drive i've installed say snow leopard on a on an, on an old macbook air and i've installed a few apps and a few files just to make sure i can test everything and then I install, uh, uh, do a clean install, back it up, do a clean install of Mavericks, and then import it to test it. Even that can take like you know a couple hours, and that's just an, an almost bare you know installation. So it's not fast. We'll return with more from Dan in a minute. Now a word about Pixelmator 3.0 FX. If you occasionally or routinely require a full-featured imaging editor, but don't need or don't want that imaging editor, a mere $30 brings you a lot of editing power in the form of Pixelmator 3.0 FX. With it, you can draw, paint, retouch, add effects, and create advanced compositions. 
and the latest version brings you non-destructive layer styles, liquify tools, a new image editing engine that nearly doubles Pixelmator's performance, and full Maverick support, meaning support for tags, multiple displays, and AppNap. Best of all, it's a free upgrade for any existing Pixelmator owners. Pixelmator is one of those applications that I use every day. You can try it for yourself free for 30 days. Just travel to www.pixelmator.com, click the free trial link, and give it a go. Once you're convinced, you can purchase your copy from the Mac App Store for just $30. And now back to Dan Frakes and Maverick's installation. All right, let's turn to um, iLife and iWork for a second. Some people were confused about what do they need to have on their Mac so that they can have the free copies or the free updates to the iLife and the iWork app. So how does that work exactly? Well, according to Apple, you need either a version installed from a DVD, you know, the, the iLife mm -hmm. DVD, um, or a version purchased from the Mac App Store. And the latter includes... If you bought a Mac in the last few years that came with iLife from the Mac App Store, so the first time you used it, it said, do you want to install these? And you said, sure, assign them to my Apple ID. Uh, the, the, the hitch there is that if it's a, a version from the Mac App Store, it has to be uh, one that's been claimed, if you will, by your the same Apple ID using to get the free updates or purchased under the same Apple ID that you're using to get the free updates. And and it's not it hasn't gone completely smoothly for people. For example, I own both the Mac App Store copies and DVD copies, and I actually got charged when I tried to download them. I had to go through Apple's you know help system and, mm -hmm. and customer support to get refunds. But uh, Apple has claimed that it's that that has been fixed and you should be okay now. Just if they're on your drive anywhere. Okay, and then for those people who don't know, once you've installed these things, are you stuck with them? If if by that you mean, do the old versions get deleted? Right. Is that what you're asking? <laughs> yes. Yeah. The um, when you install the new versions, uh, the the new versions which have been deservedly criticized by some people for being step backs in some ways from the old ones, um, the old ones are still on your drive, so you can use both. Okay. So. Um Old-time Mac users were accustomed to having a bootable install drive that they could move from computer to computer. So is this possible to make one of these for Mavericks in that I can't get anything except the download version? Right. You know, up until I think it was Lion, Apple would actually either sell you or let you make a bootable installer like a thumb drive. In fact, they mm -hmm. used to sell Lion on a on a thumb drive in the Apple stores if you really wanted one. Uh, but uh, they don't do that anymore. And it's really useful to have a bootable installer drive. I mean, the they're, they're great for installing on multiple computers, installing that, the same OS on multiple computers. They're great if you need to troubleshoot uh, because you can boot from the bootable installer, use disk utility and all those things, and then install right from there. Uh, OS X has this thing called uh, recovery mode where you can boot, even if your hard drive is having problems, you can boot into recovery mode and reinstall the OS, but it makes you download the entire bit batch of installer data, you know, like five gigabytes each time. So, so having a bootable installer drive is, is really handy and you can do it with Mavericks. And in fact, um, for most people, it's way easier under Mavericks because, uh, if, if you know how to do it, I should say, because Apple has provided as part of the Mavericks installer app, uh, a little terminal command that creates an installer drive without, you know, you issue one command and it's done. 
Of course, it takes, you know, half an hour, but it's done with one command. So we have an article, of course, on Macworld.com called How to Make a Bootable Mavericks Installer Drive, and it includes those instructions. Uh, and really, it's just a matter of you plug in a, a thumb drive or a hard drive that's eight gigabytes or larger, uh, and you rename it so that it's named untitled, and then you just run this one single terminal command. You can copy and paste it right into terminal and hit enter, and as long as the Mac App Store version, or excuse me, the Mavericks installer that you download from the Mac App Store is in your applications folder, it does everything else for you. So is it also going to format the drive for you? Do you have to do that beforehand? Well, right. Any drive you want to use for a, for a, a Mavericks installer drive needs to be formatted properly, and that means Mac OS X extended format, and it has to have a GUID partition map table. And that's, um, and that's the case for any Mac startup drive either. So, so any drive that you want to use to install Mavericks or use as a Mavericks installer drive has to be formatted that way. Okay. Now, for those people who are allergic to the terminal, uh, can you still do this through disk utility? So, well, there are two other options. One is a utility, a third-party utility called Lion Disk, or excuse me, now it's called DiskMaker X. It used to be called Lion DiskMaker. Now it's called DiskMaker X, and it's actually in our article as well. And what it does is it actually gives you a, a fancy graphical interface to that terminal command. So mm -hmm. you run it. It says, which drive do you want to use? Is this where the installer is at? Yes, yes. Um, make my drive. Uh, the only hitch there is that it does not work in Snow Leopard. It only works in Lion, Mountain Lion, or Mavericks. Uh, the third option is, as you mentioned, to use Disk Utility. And it's the messiest option, but uh, you don't need any third-party tools. You can do it all yourself. As long as you follow the directions uh, precisely, it should work just fine. So that's then going into the package and then extracting an element from the package and then bringing it into disk utility and then copying it over to the other drive or, well, people who've done this know what I'm talking about. But is it basically the same procedure? Well, it's a little different. Apple, in their infinite wisdom, said, let's make this harder. Oh, good. So, so the, it's, if you've ever used the disk utility uh, procedure under Lion or Mountain Lion. It's similar. You have to go into the installer package and you have to find a special disk image in that package. And then you've got to essentially make a, a an image of that, basically copy that onto a a, um, a thumb drive or, or an extra hard drive. But it turns out that that image in the Mavericks installer doesn't contain everything. So then you've got to go back in later and add more stuff. So there's another step involved oh. here. Um, and like you said, people who've done this before are probably like, okay, I kind of see what you're getting at. But other people, don't worry about it. I would just recommend finding a, finding a Mac that's running Lion or later and using the terminal command. Because I know it, terminal is kind of scary, but you know, it's you can copy the te the command from our article, paste it into terminal, hit return, and it does everything for you. Okay, great. Uh, <clears throat> now, for those few people who still have a media drive. What about creating a bootable DVD? Don't, just don't even do it. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> no, no, come on. Is it possible? So there's somebody out there who's going, no, I know I can do this. Well, it's, it's less possible than it was under, or I should say more difficult than it was under Lion and Mountain Lion because of that change that we mentioned where you can't just make a copy of this disk image. You have to then go back in later and, and add to it. So that means that you can't just burn that image to a DVD. What you have to do now is you still need that interim step of a thumb drive or something to make the entire bootable 
thumb drive, and then you need to copy that to a DVD, make an image of that onto a DVD. So it's possible, but you know, it's it's really, I can't think. You know, we've had some people on our forums who've discussed this with me, and I just can't think of a good reason to use a DVD anymore. Uh, every Mac that supports Mavericks can be booted from a from USB. Um, a USB, an eight gigabyte USB drive is literally, you know, five bucks or less if you can find them on on sale. Easily ten dollars or less, uh, and it's way faster. If you ever, I actually did this once, and I installed last time with Mountain Lion and this time with Mavericks from a DVD. Um, it takes hours, <laughs> hours <laughs> to do because the DVDs are just too slow, and there's so many hundreds of thousands of files. So. Um, I just, just, just don't do it. Just get a cheap thumb drive and do it that way. Okay. Finally, and, and this is uh, basically Dan's review of Mavericks, which is, is it worth it? That's a, that's a good question. So far, so I, and I say this with whenever I do these installation guides, I always tell people, remember, the initial version is going to have problems, um, whether it's 10.70, 10.80, 10.90. There's always going to be issues with the first version, and then there's going to be the inevitable, you know, 10.9.1, which from what we heard is coming down the pipe soon. Uh, so I will say that between Lion and Mountain Lion and Mavericks, all of these OSs, in my experience, have given you new features without doing too many bad things. Uh, unlike with old versions of the OS, none of them have required dramatically more memory to run. Uh, and so it's not like you're going to install it and see a horrible performance. Um, going from Snow Leopard to Leopard, we did see that. But from, or excuse me, Snow Leopard to Lion, we did see that. But Lion to Mountain Lion and Mountain Lion to Mavericks, not too much. So um, as long as the features seem interesting to you, the new features, then you know there's not a huge risk in upgrading. But I do tell people, you know, if you're if you're not if you're worried that things are going to go wrong, wait for 10.9.1. Um, and, and then, you know, your chances are you're going to miss some of the early bugs, um, and you're going to benefit from the new features without, you know, without being subjected to those. So, um, I, I, I think it's a good, it's a good upgrade. I think that it's under the hood. There's some nice stuff. Uh, you're not going to see a huge amount of like, wow, this is a brand new OS with all this new stuff. I, I don't think this is one of those releases, but it gets some nice upgrades. And, uh, you know, if, if you're, a if your chances are, if you're if you're listening to this podcast or reading MacWorld, you're interested enough in the o, in OS ten that you'll like the new features. Would you agree with that? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, I'm not a mail user. I use different email clients, and I know some people were having problems with mail initially. Yeah. They fixed that. Do you use mail, and have you found that it works better now? I have. Um, my main mail machine is still under Mountain Lion in because of the mail issues. So I've got two Macs here that are running Mavericks and one that's basically mm -hmm. my email machine because of those issues. Uh, the new update has gotten a little better, um, but I've also heard that 10.9.1 has even more updates for mail. So that's probably when this machine's gonna get the upgrade. Um, but apart from that, everything else has worked pretty well for me. And then there were people who had issues with iTunes or Mavericks or combination of the two that didn't allow you to sync your contacts right. and calendars over a wired connection. 
it, it came somewhere. I, you know, I don't want to say 100% for, uh, that I'm confident here, but um, it's somewhere between iTunes 11 and Maverick, somewhere with right. those two upgrades that, right, you can no longer connect your your iOS device to your Mac with USB and sync your contacts directly. You now have to do it over iCloud. Right, and people were very upset about that. Yes, some, yes, some people. Uh, well, in my daughter's school, that's how they did all their their um, contacts for sharing projects between teachers and students. So that was a big thing for them. Uh, there, there's also the other issue that, that some people have had, which is sort of OS ten, sort of third-party vendor, but some Western digital drives were not basically they were not either not showing up or some people actually lo lost data from what I understand um, with certain Western data, Western digital drives. But it was apparently not that OS ten was having problems with the drives themselves, but that they were using particular software so that when they connected the drives, I believe that 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 software took over or did backups or something, and that software was not compatible with Maverick. So that's that was one of the other big ones. Um, and uh, Ted Landau, one of our columnists, senior contributors, has been following these on his Bugs and Fixes column every Friday. Okay, well, so those of you who have not yet upgraded to Mavericks, I think Dan's advice is good. Wait till 9.1, which should be uh, sometime soon. Um, otherwise, the rest of you are already on Mavericks, and uh, and if you haven't created a bootable installer drive, I think it's absolutely worth doing. Uh, I haven't done it yet, but I'm certainly going to do that as soon as I finish with this podcast. So you can find Dan's installing Mavericks series on Mackerel.com, and it's been doing bang-up business, so it, it proves it's good. If you haven't yet installed Mavericks, or you have, but you want something like that bootable installer, please check it out. And thanks very much, Dan. Thank you. And that wraps up this episode of the Macworld Podcast. I'd like to thank Dan Frakes and, of course, you for listening. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to drop us a line at podcast at macworld.com. This is Chris Breen reminding you that you can find more Apple, macOS, iOS, and technology news, views, and information at macworld.com. See you around.